I'll be reading from Mark 14, beginning in verse 26, going through 42, and then offering a few comments on it. As we transition out of the upper room, it said the disciples and Jesus sang a hymn, and then they went outside. This is the word of the Lord. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, you will all, all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John, and he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And Jesus said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And Jesus said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy. And they did not know what to answer Jesus. And he came to them a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Heavenly Father, would you give clarity to our heart and mind in these next few moments so that we might see you in the garden and experience you and learn from you because you are the man of sorrows. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What is sorrow? Jesus is the sorrowful Savior. But what is sorrow? I imagine for most of us in this room or listening at home, that maybe you've never had as sorrowful of a year as you've had in the last year. That's maybe a blanket statement for the whole world, for our generation. Or maybe you've had more difficult years. But one thing is for certain, all of us know what sorrow is. Psalm 42 repeats the same phrase twice, and then it's repeated again in the next chapter in Psalm 43. Why are you cast down my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. 
There's a story of a man who skipped a really important family function to go play golf, which I can kind of relate with. I like golf. He skipped his family event to go play golf, and he was playing by himself, just him. And while he was playing golf, he did what every golfer dreams of. He hit a hole in one. One shot from the tee straight into the hole. He'd never done it before. He may never do it again. It's a once in a lifetime thing for a lot of golfers. But then he realized no one was there to see it. No one was there to experience it. And the joy that was supposed to be this great happening turned into be a great sorrow. See, sorrow can be as little of a something as that, but it's still sorrow. Sorrow, my definition, is soul anguish. Sorrow is soul anguish. Maybe something no one else can see except for you and God. Sorrow is anguish in the soul. So what makes those around Jesus sorrowful on this night that Jesus was betrayed? When they're in the upper room and they go out to the garden, what makes those around Jesus full of sorrow? Let's consider the word sorrow just from a few other places in the New Testament that give us help here. We see a rich young man. So if you're worshiping with us on Sunday mornings, we preached through this a couple of weeks ago. We see a rich young ruler come before Jesus and he goes away sorrowful because Jesus asked him to give up all of his possessions and he couldn't do it. And he went away sorrowful. Possessions have a way of making us sorrowful because we don't want to give them up or we fear that God may ask us to give them away as he did to the rich young man. Or what about the disciples just during the meal? As we had the meal together, when Jesus had finished the meal, it said he goes in and starts describing that one of the 12 was going to betray Jesus. And it says that the disciples were sorrowful because Jesus said one of them would betray him. They were filled with soul anguish because how could one of us do that? One of the twelve. How could that be possible? After all we've been through, how could one betray Jesus? And they were filled with sorrow, it says. Fear. That's what the disciples were feeling. Fear that they might let God down. Have any of you felt that way? Like you might let God down? And that begins to fill you with sorrow? That's the last thing I want, is to let God down. And that's what the disciples were feeling. Weakness. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, Jesus says to the disciples. They kept falling asleep, even when Jesus says, just stay awake and keep watch. They kept falling asleep. And finally, the text says, finally, after the last time, it says the disciples didn't even know what to say to Jesus. They said, our our eyes are just heavy. We don't know what's keeping us from from doing what you're asking. And I think that was filling the disciples with sorrow. They knew they weren't strong enough for Jesus, even to do the simplest things. And they were sorrowful. You see, we as humans tend to run away from sorrow. 
we numb it with something. We try to fill it with another pleasure. We try to remove it and pretend it's not there. But we run away from sorrow. And that's what you see all of the disciples do tonight. Even the one who said, Jesus, I will die for you. Jesus says, even you, Peter, of course you, Peter, if you've not gotten to know Peter, you will scatter because you run away from sorrow because that's the natural, sinful human inclination. But Jesus runs towards sorrow. Jesus does not run away from it. He runs into it and he brings us with him into sorrow, not out of maliciousness, but out of grace and love for us. He sees that we actually need sorrow, healthy sorrow in our life. And he brings the disciples into it. So what makes Jesus sorrowful? What, what, what brings Jesus sorrow on this night in Gethsemane? Jesus has real soul sorrow. In verse 33 of this text, it says, Jesus became greatly alarmed and troubled when he came to the garden. He He leaves the twelve. He brings just the three with him. They begin walking into the garden of Gethsemane or the garden of sorrow. And it says he began to be troubled and filled with an alarming spirit. This word alarmed is the same word that describes the women who find the empty tomb and an angel appears to them. It says they were alarmed. It's the same word. Jesus has the same alarmed fact that the women would experience at the empty tomb. And it says he was troubled, which means he was filled with anxiety. You know what it's like to be troubled. Philippians 2, Paul uses this word to describe when he hears about a a close friend that's gotten really sick. He's troubled. Maybe you have a friend uh, or a family member who's gotten really sick. And when you first hear the news, you feel that pit of troubled spirit, sorrow in your soul. That's what Jesus is feeling as he's in the garden that night. Verse 34, he admits it. He says, my, he says it to his disciples. He says, my soul is sorrowful even to death. That's where my soul is. Why are you cast down, my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? The psalmist says to hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And yet this is what brings Jesus the sorrow that he was experiencing that we, by his grace, don't experience. What Jesus was experiencing in that garden, that sorrow he was feeling, was his soul being crushed. His soul being abandoned, being neglected, being punished. He was feeling the relational removal of God from him in that moment. Jesus takes this immense, unimaginable sorrow for us, the sorrow that should have been ours, that we still experience, but only in part, Jesus was feeling all of it at that moment. The other gospels say that he started sweating drips of blood. Verse 35, even after he admits that he's sorrowful, it says, and Jesus went further into the garden. He comes back and finds the disciples asleep. He could have just stopped it at that point and said, all right, let's just go to the cross. No, Jesus goes deeper into the garden. He presses into the garden of sorrow. He goes a little bit more and he falls on the ground and prays. At first he was praying in his heart. God, if there's there's a way to let this pass from me, please. 
No answer. And then he finally speaks it out loud. And he says, Abba, Father, this intimate relationship, intimate language. And he says it out loud. He says, if it's able to pass from me, please don't let this hour come to me. No answer. He says to take this away or to transport this cup away from him. We describe the cup at the table of the wrath of God being poured out. That's what Jesus was feeling. Not my will, but yours, Jesus finally admits, showing us obedience and faithfulness beyond all measure. Still no answer from God. Have you ever noticed that, that Jesus is praying to God, but there's no reply? He's on his own. Jesus was taking it on all himself. God would not answer even Jesus' genuine and perfect prayer because he knew Jesus needed to do this. Jesus is the man of sorrows that we sang about earlier, that Isaiah 53 prophesied. Sorrow became his identity so that it wouldn't have to become ours. Loneliness became his reality so we wouldn't have to. Jesus' sole sorrow was knowing that salvation for him had to be given up so that salvation for the world could be gained. Sorrow shows your soul. Whatever brings you sorrow reveals your soul before God. So what is causing you sorrow this night? What is it that your soul is feeling? Again, his disciples didn't know what to say to Jesus. But Jesus gives two final things. He gives a final question before he was handed over. He says, could you not stay awake for one hour? That's Jesus' last question to his disciples. Could you not have stayed awake for just one hour? And then his final statement before he was handed over is, it is enough. The hour has come. Let us be going, it says. When he says, let us be going, that word actually has a hint in the original language of celebration to it. Let us be going off to a celebration. It's used in some places, which feels off tonight, doesn't it? Doesn't this feel like this should not be a celebration night? But the gospel is even giving us a hint of what Jesus is bringing us to as when, we, when Jesus brings us with him to sorrow, to the cross, or our own lives into sorrow, into persecution, He actually says, this is actually something to celebrate, friends, because you're going to follow my path and you're going to arrive with me at an eternal banquet. I'm going to bring you with me through this. The sorrow is actually the beginning of a good news project that is worth celebrating. So friends, our call tonight is to pray awake. Pray awake tonight. And then go with Jesus bearing our cross with him in sorrow and then watching him rise through the sorrow. Could you not stay awake for one hour for me? That eventually becomes Jesus saying, I will lie in the ground for three days for you. Forget one hour, I'm giving you three days. It is enough. Jesus' last statement to the disciples eventually becomes, it is finished on the cross tomorrow at about 3 p.m.
So friends, as we walk out of this place tonight, we're going to sing, It is well with my soul. May that be our heart's cry, even in sorrow, that the God of the ages has made a way for us, even to celebrate on a dark night like tonight. It is well with my soul. Let's come back tomorrow and watch him on the cross. So let's sing together.